Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Overcast, the Chalker Sheep podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. And conditions during March have been very difficult and has thrown up many challenges for farmers, some of which we're going to discuss in this episode. I'm delighted to be joined by Head of Sheep and Chalkers, Michael Gossing, to discuss this in a bit more detail and offer some advice on how to manage during this period for those at different stages. So for those lambed in early March, those currently lambing, and those preparing for outdoor lambing. We discussed various aspects of management from grazing to nutrition and hygiene and highlight some of the disease risks during this period with Michael offering some very useful tips and advice on each of them. We start off with Michael discussing the challenges that the weather in March has presented. We had a great February. I suppose people were, were delighted with the weather in February, very dry. Generally, when we get long dry spells, they're followed by long wet spells and we certainly got that in March and um, I suppose it's very very difficult for people that were, 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 were lambing. Um, you know, people that are lambing indoors need to get lambs out quick enough. Um, and I suppose it came right bang at the start of lambing for most people that were kind of lambing in, you know, middle of, of, of March. We had quite difficult conditions, even a little bit of snow there in early March, the first week of March in certain places. Um, you know, so I suppose it's it's been a challenging spring, I suppose, for people. I think, Mike, it's fair to say anyone would have swapped February weather for March weather. Look, if we might get into the challenges, and I suppose just maybe frame this a little bit, we have those that are lambed and are outdoors now maybe two to three weeks. Those that are on the pint of lambing or those maybe with some sheep indoors. We'll try and cover the three different aspects. So if we start with those that are outdoors at the moment, maybe lamb from the start of March onwards, the couple of challenges they face, like look at the utilisation, dirty fields, heavy fields, wet fields, that aren't ideal for grazing. Now, I put in the caveat that there is huge variation out there, but some are really struggling in the moment with grazing conditions. Yeah, yeah. Look at it. I mean, um, I, I, I suppose we're recording this today on, on, on the 28th of March, and I'm conscious that, you know, we got a good bit of rain last night and, and even yesterday, uh, later yesterday, and ground is very, very wet. But oh, prior to that, it kind of dried very, very quickly because we, we had great drying weather the, the previous two days. Like So ground conditions are obviously very variable. It depends on ground type. I suppose the thing with, with, with sheep is they don't so much poach like we'd see in cattle or cutting, but they start in puddy and dirty the grass and... Um, you know, utilisation is very, very difficult so if, if the grass gets dirty. Um, if there's surface water, you know, or a lot of water on top of the ground, um, then the grass is going to get dirty, in particular around gaps and feeders and drinkers and and, and, and things like that. Um, but also throughout the fields, like, you know, so as the sheep are, are in there for a period of time, they, they, they'll dirty it. And obviously there are challenges then. You know, there are challenges from a, from a health point of view because you have a lot of muck and and, and, and feces and, and gutter um, around the place and that contaminates the feed and, and, and everything, you know. So we have challenges in terms of, of you know, possible infections, um, you know, in lambs, uh, in young lambs, maybe things like, like joint ill or in, in, in yours, mastitis or things like that. Uh, from a nutritional point of view, I suppose we have the challenge of trying to get the feed into the oak so that she can milk. Um, you know, and, and I suppose if the grass is dirty, they're less inclined to eat it. <laughs> if the grass is wet, it generally reduces intake. Um, some of the, the work from UCD, Tommy Lines would have, uh, Tommy Boland would have, would have shown there that, um, you know, wet grass reduces intake by about 20%. Um, so that's a challenge for the yo because she's already nutritionally challenged um, because, you know, 
her, her milk yield is increasing and, and her, her intake hasn't hasn't caught up with it yet, particularly in the first kind of three or four weeks um, after lambing. So, and then we have, have challenges like, you know, driving rain and, and, and wind and just, you know, uncomfortable weather as well for animals to, to graze in where they're maybe stuck under a ditch sheltering rather than being out in the field grazing. So all of those things, look at all of those things together um, make for challenging grazing conditions. Let's parse that house slightly. I covered a number of aspects. We'll deal with maybe the dirty pasture one first, Michael. There's no simple solution of maybe bar moving them off from someone. Yeah. So look at if the grass is dirty, um, you know, as in soil or or, or muck uh, along there, it's highly unlikely sheep are going to eat that. You know, and if you force them in there, you're going to reduce your intake. You're going to get an awful lot of soil intake um, going in with them, which is going to have implications for other other things. Um, and and maybe the solution is is to move them off it into the next uh, grazing area. That's obviously where people have other areas to graze. Uh, allow the, the, the rain to, to clean off the grass and, and come back, uh, you know, uh, five or six or seven days later when it's cleaned up or maybe dried up a little bit, hopefully, um, and keep switching over and back to try and prevent it from, you know, getting really mucky and dirty and, and the grass really coated with, with, with soil that, you know, is going to prevent them from eating it. So this is one of them times you have to be flexible. It's not the ideal scenario, but you just make do. As you said before, the only padlet, so it will clean up in a week or 10 days' time. You can come back in again and clean out at that point. Look, in, in terms of supply, where there's adequate supply, that situation works. Where there's not, Michael, it's one time where they might have to go in with extra feed to carry them through this period. Yeah, for, first five weeks um, is when the yaws are, are reaching their peak milk yield, you know, somewhere between three and five weeks into lactation, um, yours hit their peak milk yield. And that sets the milk yield, the overall milk yield for the lactation. So if you if you restrict yours in the first five weeks, you generally have, you know, impacted on your land performance for the entire um, period up to weaning. Um, so we want to try and feed the yours as, as well as we can. And I mean, we would be advocating there that people would have adequate grass and all of that kind of thing, like, you know, closing your grass in time in the autumn, having an autumn closing planner, having a, you know, a, a, a plan as to how you're going to graze in the spring. Make sure that we have, you know, adequate grass supply that you also are grazing kind of going in at six, seven centimetres and grazing down to, you know, four centimetres or maybe a little bit tighter. Um and and that works fine in a normal year uh, with normal weather. We we haven't had a normal year, normal weather, so I suppose it's a bit more challenging. So uh, we need to make sure that if we don't have that type of grass, you know, there are probably farms out there, very dry ground with good grass supplies that are getting away on grass only. Um, if 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 you're lucky to be that type of a farmer, that's great. If if you're not um, in that situation, then maybe we need to look at supplementing and. Um, again, look at, uh, I suppose most farmers would be supplementing for magnesium, so putting out maybe mineral buckets, but a lot of farmers will probably have to consider concentrate feed as well. Um, small, the, the, the amount, again, will depend on grass supply and grazing conditions, you know, somewhere between probably half a kilo a day and up to, you know, in situations where there's no grass, maybe a kilo and a half of, of concentrates, you know, in the extreme um, cases. I, I, I don't actually think, to be honest with you, that it has been a bad grass year, growth year. So I think a lot of farmers probably have reasonable grass supplies. Um, I suppose the challenge is, is poor utilization and, and poor grazing conditions. 
you touched on one other one there and you mentioned it previously like what sheep for grazing is limited either on intake or the amount of time you spend grazing is limited tetany is a risk michael at this time as well yeah so so look at grass tetany is always a risk in the springtime with yours and uh, lactating yours and generally with sheep unfortunately when tetany strikes it's usually a dead sheep we find um and they can be hard enough to, to save. Um, so, uh, like, grass tetany prevention protocols are, are important in sheep in, in every year, um, I suppose. What happens when we see this type of, of weather conditions, because everything is so wet, there's a lot of soil contamination and all of that, the the uh, yo's ability of, to absorb magnesium, which is the mineral that she needs to prevent grass tetany, is... Um, is reduced uh, by about half or even a third uh, to a third of, of what it would normally be. Um, so it's very, very important that we supplement with adequate magnesium um, in a way that we can get it into the oil. So like the um, best way of doing that is, is with concentrate feed, but obviously that's very expensive. So if we don't have to do that, then it's it's probably um, a mineral leak, uh, a high mag mineral leak for sheep. So very important that that's it's not a cattle mineral uh, high high mag bucket we're using. It has to be one that's suitable for sheep. Now there are buckets out there that are both suitable for cattle and sheep, and that's fine. They're fine, but the cattle buckets on their own generally tend to have very high levels of copper, so we want to avoid those for sheep. Um, so I I'd be advocating here in two buckets per grazing group, um, kind of a third of the way into the field and two thirds away in the the O's are frequently passing it. Um, and uh, hopefully they'll they'll lick it and and get their 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 intake um, into them. So plenty of access to it. I suppose Michael too, keeping them buckets moved and checking that they don't actually get dirty themselves is important as well to improve intake. Yeah. So in really wet weather, what you will see is that you know there will be dirt like because you know you all put a foot into it or you know somebody some you all defecate into it or whatever. So it just to clean them out, tip them out. Um, uh, in wet weather, intakes tend to be quite good, and that's simply because they're kind of drink, drinking the the liquid, you know, the rain that's that's kind of mixing with the molasses and stuff like that. So, we we tend to get very good intakes with buckets in wet weather. It's in in drier weather, I suppose, it can be a little bit more challenging sometimes. Moving everything is very important here. Um, so you know, very very quickly, if you're feeding meal in trucks or or have mineral buckets out, or even people who might be creep feeding lambs, you know, the feeders will get it'll get very messy around the feeders very, very quickly. And, um, you know, that that uh, muck is carried around from the feeders then to the grass. Um, you know, it's it's carried into the feeders and lambs tend to consume it. That's ideal type of of um, conditions for spreading diseases like coccidiosis in, in young lambs. Um, again, all that muck gets stuck on the other of the oil, creates challenges in terms of, of of mastitis and you know potential mastitis infections. Um, you know, and mastitis is probably one of the big things that we see in years like this. Here, in, you know, a number of different types of mastitis. So you have your kind of infectious, you know, staph type mastitis, which is basically you know dirt getting in and an infection happening there. You also get the kind of E. coli type again. Look, it's an infectious mastitis, but it's very often a sign of stress, you know, in the in the animals. So the animals are under stress, um, and the, their immunity is 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 somewhat waned. And, and when we see E. coli mastitis, you always get very very sick with that. Um, very easy to spot, um, and also mastitis caused by sores, you know, so oversuckling. 
uh, you know, the, the, the yo isn't milking very well because conditions are poor or nutrition might be up to scratch. And there's a lamb there that's, that's continuously trying to suckle and, and eventually damages the teeth and, you, you know, gets sore. And then the yo will stop the lamb from sucking. And then, you know, bacteria infection gets into the other and we end up with a yo with mastitis and a lamb that's very hungry in the field. Um, so this is a time really here where people need to be very vigilant and start picking up those cases very quick. Like the quicker you can intervene there, um, the quick the quicker you can intervene there, Kieran, the better um, in terms of, of identifying a yo that has mastitis, treating her. Um, a lot of times with mastitis, we're trying to treat the yo to keep her alive, you know, um, taking in the lamb um, and, and um, you know, either artificially ring that lamb or, you know, it, it, the odd case, I suppose, with the sore teeth from oversuckling, um, we can probably make out the O before she gets mastitis and, and treat the, the, the sores and try and get her back up and running for the lamb to get going again. Yes, definitely. Well, maybe for a problem group to be kept back later on. Look, it, it's uh, just at a real wrong time for early March-born lambs. You're hitting that peak demand and peak yield. Michael, for some maybe with slightly younger lambs, they're looking at bringing them indoors and some of the real torrential wet nights that we're getting, maybe conditions in the field are very poor, waterlogged. Is there any challenges around that? Yeah, so I, I suppose if we're bringing in in lambs at night and and look at it, I, I suppose there would be lots of people would be used to doing that maybe earlier on. Generally, maybe January lambing, you know, would leave yours out by day and in by night. A lot of pedigree breeders would be doing that initially with 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 yours and 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 lambs. Um, so you know, it's it's just about having adequate space inside in the shed. Um, obviously need to bring them in in daylight hours, make sure that they all come in, that there's not lambs and yours left uh, scattered around the field. Um, you know, a, a, a big area, big area, we're probably talking about two plus square metres per yo, um, two, two and a half square metres per yo. No kind of corners or jagged areas or, you know, poles sticking out in the pen that are not, aren't protected with either tyres or something like that, you know. Um, for because yours will 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 puck you know lambs that are coming up to them if they're not theirs and and can easily injure and and kill lambs you know um, in if there is protrusions like you know in in the pen you know corners and things like that so they they need to be kind of fenced off. Um, it it is a good it it gives them a good break uh, in particular in in very continuous adverse weather so if you have a day where it's absolutely bucketing all day and it's going to keep bucketing all night long um, you know getting the lambs in out of that giving them a couple of hours respite before they have to face into the end the following day um, you know is, is great for them a dry lie but obviously there are costs associated with that um, and with, with yours recently lambed um, you know I think you, you'd be um, supplying concentrate feed and you'd be supplying fodder and obviously straw. So those are, are, are all not cheap um, and there's a cost there, but I suppose it needs to be weighed up in terms of the, the animal welfare um, improved performance from the lambs. Like, you know, it, it, it obviously gives them a, a great break when the weather conditions are, are very bad. So potential challenges, Michael, with Miss Mudron, particularly just in that environment, if you have a lot of young lambs brought in together. Yeah. So look at. I mean, uh, I, I suppose it, it it it's a function here of 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 how well they're mothered before they go out. And I think this year probably a lot of lambs are very well mothered, gone out into the field because they were held back. Um, there was probably very few farmers that that will have um, uh, basically you know left 
yaws and lambs out at kind of 24 hours or this this march gone by because just we didn't seem to have uh, any days really um, up until recently there are a couple of days where where that that could have happened um so look at by and large i think um uh, they should be fine i i, I think um, most people will not have put them into huge batches yet like you know three and four hundred euros coming in with lambs i suppose is, is highly unlikely It'll, they'll probably still be in, in smaller groups around um and and they should they should be fine in terms of, of, of mothering up look at the other thing i suppose is most people um should be and are and and i think should be numbering lambs and numbering yours and it's it's easy enough to figure out if something was wrong uh if you can you can find if you've got a lamb number 75 running around with no mom, you know, find number 75 and, and hopefully you've used a different color for the twins and the singles so that, you know, there should be one or two lemons with that Joe and, and put her back in if you, if needs be. And look, we're going to have to do that. I think this spring, Kieran, people are going to have to have, like you said, a kind of a, uh, uh, maybe a hospital paddock or certainly a couple of pens inside in the shed that are currently going to be brought back into use again dealing with some of these yours that got mastitis or mismothering outside or things like that because of the bad weather just Michael maybe when we're inside we'll just touch on like the later lambers maybe your lambs are lambing later at the tail end of the yours for turnout I suppose the two challenges with them is one if the conditions don't improve it's difficult to get turnout and also probably the fields that we use at the start of March for turnout are either bare now or certainly well paddled that does throw up a bit of a challenge. The flip side of that is there's only so long you can keep them in for as well without maybe incurring some problems or putting in significant feed. Yeah, and and I think one of the things in in, in previous years or in past years, I suppose, um, Kieran, what's, what's happened, we've had often had adverse weather conditions, um, maybe not for as long as we've had it this spring. Um, and what we generally find is in particular where that poor weather comes towards the you know, end of lambing, it can be very challenging from a disease point of view in the shade because the disease builds up as lambing proceeds, uh, progresses. Um, this year, I suppose, we were lucky enough in so far as that the weather, the bad weather kind of came at the start, you know, and when people were holding in lambs, there was very low disease levels inside the shed because we hadn't had any lambs yet. Like, you know, it was there from kind of day go, day, the start of it, of the process. The challenge now, I suppose, is that, you know, a lot of sheds we will we, have had lambs in them and yews and lambs in them for the last, you know, two or three or four weeks. And as these yew lambs and later lambing yews start coming, the disease pressure is building up in the sheds as well. Um, farmers are getting tired as well. You know, I mean, people have maybe had a very busy lambing period and, um, you know, the, the body is getting that little bit more tired and, and maybe things aren't done as well as they, they, they could be. So the challenge there is going to be um, really from a disease point of view, you know, things like watery remote joint eel, um Joint and navel ill, things like you know, equal mastitis in the oars, um, those type of things. So trying, uh, trying to prevent that. So lots of straw, lots of lime, uh, lots of attention to detail, hygiene when we're handling the sheep, clean clothes, clean gloves, um, you know, and then uh, lots of straw when they're well, if we have to hold them in for periods of time. Lots of straw, straw is is, is king there in terms of keeping things clean and and um, reducing the, the infection pressure. Uh, you know, and it, it costs money, and that's the I suppose that's a, that's another side of the, of the challenge. Um, you know, in, and in terms of holding them yours in, they need to be fed and fed significantly more than they would have been fed pre lambing. You know, so the yours uh, energy and protein requirements um, kind of double from 
from when they're you know not pregnant to late pregnancy and they double again from late pregnancy to um to early lactation you know so if you were feeding 0.7 or 0.8 of a kilo of meal um on a reasonably good quality silage then you probably need to be going to twice that after lambing um obviously build them up slowly if they were being kept inside um you know if we want them to to milk to their full potential um so 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 that's that's the thing to to remember i suppose the the thing is if we can get them out to grass uh it's much cheaper um hopefully with the weather improving if the weather improves it'll be cleaner uh, we won't have the same infection challenge um the nutrition is 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 better provided that there's good quality grass there and enough of it uh the other thing i suppose is this idea of grazing younger lambs behind ground on, on the same ground where older lambs have grazed before and that's very challenging for those younger lambs from a, a coccidiosis point of view so we generally do not advocate grazing a younger bunch of lambs behind an older bunch of lambs um, so where at all possible um, people should try and for the yo lambs rearing lambs or those later yo's lambing down maybe have an area that hasn't been grazed this spring by yos and and lambs for grazing those um, until they've kind of developed an immunity to coccidia, which is generally kind of eight to 10 weeks of age, like, you know. So that's that's best practice. Where that's not possible, obviously, then we need to just be very vigilant and go in with a coccidiostat um, if those lambs do get an infection. Okay, so just a few things we went for. So again, double down on the nutrition. If you need extra straw, it's an investment that's worth making for those who are holding in. Let's just take it to the other end of it. <clears throat> We're starting to see more outdoor lamb and flocks kicking off the hill flocks. We're starting, obviously, a lot of this is weather dependent. Is there anything that they can do to try and safeguard in some way some of the challenges we face in this weather? Yeah, challenging times. If if the weather doesn't improve, a lot of, a lot of the hill flocks are probably kicking off. You know, 7th to 10th of April kind of seems to be a date that I hear an awful lot down south where I am, Kieran, anyway. And, um, you know, uh, so that's that's about a week away at this stage, maybe a little bit with it, maybe two weeks uh, in some cases. And I, I suppose for those yours, uh, for those farmers at this stage, it's about the yours um, and nutrition of the yours. So make sure that they have plenty of suck. For the lambs, um, when they land down, to try and, and um, reduce body conditions uh, uh, loss. And, you know, I suppose the ship has probably sailed for most people at, on that one at this stage because um, they're not going to change body condition score now in the last couple of weeks before lambing. Um, but things that farmers can do and, um, you know, would be very important would be, again, look at the whole area of, of cleanliness of the yos in the run-up to lambing. Okay, so it's all well and good putting the yo into a clean pin after lambing with lots of straw. But if she's covered uh, in muck and feces from, you know, a feeder that, you know, was kind of outside in an in, in area that was very, very um, dirty around it, then, you know, that's that dirt is going to be there and that's what the lamb is going to come in contact with. So moving feeders, and I know that, look, that sounds very easy in practice and it's not much more difficult um, uh, to do it in practice. It sounds easy in theory to move the, pre, the feeders, but it, it's much more difficult in practice. But try and reduce the level of, of, of muckiness around feeders by moving them frequently. Um, uh, and that that would be important, I suppose. Then when the yos are getting ready to lamb down to try and have a, a relatively clean area for them to lamb down in, and certainly after they lamb an area, uh, if they're if they're outdoor, pure outdoor, outdoor lambing and don't have a, an area to bring yos into as they're lambing, then 
you know, try and have, you know, clean paddocks that you're moving or clean fields that you're moving yours with, with lambs into as soon as, as, as is practical. Um, you know, for those farmers who do bring them in and, and quite a few hill sheep farmers might bring in the couples maybe, leave the singles outside or, or, you know, would have some limited facilities maybe to house a few sheep, then I suppose it, it, it's picking the most vulnerable sheep, um, the, the sheep that will benefit most from the housing. Okay, so they generally would be your, 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 yours with, with multiples, um, yours with smaller, weaker lambs, maybe younger yours, um, yours in poor body condition. So we, we know that, uh, Kieran, the, the ability of yours to mother lambs, the mothering ability, is governed by um, the body condition of the O. So yours that are in poor body condition are, are poor mothers, um, tend to spend less time attending to their lambs, but also age is another big factor there. So younger yours are, are, are generally um, spend less time mothering their lambs than older yours. Um, so if people keep that in mind, you know, um, and obviously then bigger litters, um, you will obviously lick one lamb much more thoroughly than she will lick two lambs because she has to spend twice the amount of time licking the two lambs to get the same effect. Um, so the the critical ones there, I suppose, are, are young yaws, uh, thin yaws, and, and multiple litters. And then I suppose the other thing here, um, the challenge that we have indoors is generally from an infection point of view. The challenge that we have outdoors is generally from a, a kind of a weather hypothermia, starvation, predation um, uh, point of view. So it's, it's, it's a switch. We don't have the same infection challenge outside, but we have a different challenge. And that challenge is, is, is hypothermia, starvation. You know, lambs that don't get a good suck um, have very little chance outside, you know, because they're not inside in a, a, a warm, dry environment. Topic we covered there a few weeks ago, which is what is, well, again, very important. And hopefully it's only going to be in the shop here, this weather spell. <laughs> Look, Michael, all we can do is keep fingers crossed the conditions improve and hopefully it gets off to a better April. Yeah, look at it. It is, and, and I think it's 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 probably very important, Kieran, just to maybe flag people back to that that one um, podcast we did on the the dealing with, with hypothermia and, and starvation in lambs and all farmers uh, that are lambing outside should have a store of, of glucose available. That when they go out in the morning uh, or at any time in the day and find a lamb that is 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 hypothermic, that they have a glucose to give, an injection to give into the belly of the lamb to to save it, and um, you know that that works very well. So people um, that are, haven't started lambing yet, um, get down to your local co-op shop or supermarket or health food store and get a get a little tub of glucose. It's it's cheap as chips, and um, have a listen to our podcast or look at a few videos there on 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 YouTube as to how to do that um, glucose injection in young lamb. And it's very simple to do, and it'll save an awful lot of lambs if the weather um, doesn't clear up for us for the outdoor lambing flocks. Now, hopefully, hopefully the weather will clear up and it'll be much better for those people. But just in the case that it doesn't, um, it would be very useful for people to have that information uh, and that uh, the equipment required to hand to, to be able to save those lambs. Definitely a vital take. Look, Michael, it's good to have you on. Fingers crossed we get a better couple of weeks ahead. Thanks again. Thanks, Kieran. Okay, we'll leave it there for this episode. It's one of them times a year we have to be flexible and adapt to management. Again, for those indoors doubling down on hygiene, getting the nutrition right both indoors and outdoors is key to getting through this period. Hopefully we've seen improvement over the coming weeks. We mentioned episode hypothermia. That's episode 169. 
You'll find it in the playlist for this podcast. Very useful for anyone that has lambs in them kind of conditions. That's it for me for updates from our sheep program. Keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chaga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to future episodes of Overcast.